Welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We've partnered with the Brain Tumor Charity, helping to raise awareness and help find a cure. Thanks to our partnership, we've been able to create a short series of special podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who've been affected by these devastating diagnoses. You can hear these stories, including the Williams F1 team's planning director, Richard Jones, right now on your chosen podcast player. The charity work all year round to help develop research and raise awareness. And this October sees the return of the Brain Tumor Charity's most beloved community event, the Twilight Walk. You can join them remotely this autumn to cover 10 kilometers, 40 kilometers, 130 kilometers, or your very own distance to raise money and take strides towards a cure. Moving about is well known for boosting our well-being and you can complete your walk bit by bit or all in one go as a team or by yourself at home or indoors. So visit www.thetwilightwalk.com to sign up and start your fundraising challenge. A huge thank you for your support. If you can donate anything, you can do that through the motormouth.club website or through the Brain Tumor Charity Direct. And together, we can help every single person affected by a brain tumor. It's season nine and we're really excited to be teaming up with Roding Cars. Based in New Zealand but with a new HQ open in Donington Park in the UK, owning the Roden FZ gives you the keys to experience a whole new level of driving performance. A supercar like no other, giving you the chance to feel pure driving pleasure. Designed for easy maintenance, you could own the F1 lifestyle and strive for that perfect lap time with the Roden FZ. There's plenty of purchasing options including after-sale partnerships where your Roden FZ is looked after on and off track by an official Formula Racing team, storage and exclusive track access to Roden's very own circuit in New Zealand. With Roden and the Roden FZ, you experience so much more than just owning an open-wheel high-performance supercar. For more information on Roden and how you can get involved, visit roden-cars.com. Hello, Tim Sylvie here. Now, our guest today hails from Hastings in New Zealand. And as I'm sure our educated listeners will know, New Zealand is well known for its large agriculture and farming industries. But you perhaps didn't realise quite how big it is. The hotly debated statistic is that there are nine sheep to one person living in New Zealand. That is somewhere in the region of 40 million sheep. But that's not all they have a lot of. They have over 400 golf courses, more per capita than anywhere else in the world. And... This one blew my mind. The kiwi fruit is not native to New Zealand, which is actually a massive letdown. It's from China, but was named after the what? yeah, and it was named after the kiwi bird, obviously for obvious reasons. But the actual fruit is from China. How disappointing is that? But Harry, but Harry, before oh, we go God. any further, I'm going to test your New Zealand knowledge with a couple of quickfire questions. Number one, get this wrong at your peril. What is the capital of New Zealand? Uh, what is the capital of New Zealand? Is it Wellington? Well done. Yes. A lot of people get that wrong because they think it's Auckland. Um, what currency? Uh, you know what? Didn't even pop into my mind. Good. <laughs> what currency is used in New Zealand? Oh, is it? Um, is it? Is it dollars? It's dollars. It's New Zealand dollars. Yeah, it is dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who was the first European to arrive in New Zealand? And a bonus for his nationality, but I'll give you a clue. His nationality, you can see on the current F1 grid. Uh, okay. Um, You're not going to get this, are you? I mean, can I... Oh, the first never, European... Oh, no, no, I'm not going to try and guess. I've got no idea. It's, no. So it's, it's a guy called Abel Tasman, and, and there's an area in New Zealand called Abel Tasman. I've been there. It's amazing. Uh, um, and he was Dutch. Oh, uh, uh, well. Finally. I, I do have, oh, for, there's more. Bloody hell. Last All one. Right. When did Captain Cook come to the islands? Um, Were you concentrating in school? No. I, wait, hang on. Wait, he, so he, he did Aust- didn't he do Australia as well. Um, 1760 or something. Are you having a laugh? No, I don't know. What? 1769. Oh, you got to give me a point for that. Go on. Fair play. That's, what That's a good guess. That is a very good guess. <laughs> what a comeback. Like, regular listeners will know that usually when Tim asks me these questions at the start of every show, I absolutely flunk every yeah. single one of them. But I'm feeling good, quite good about this. That's very good. Well, uh, if you haven't guessed already, um, our guest is from New Zealand. Shall I introduce him? 
I think so. So today we're joined by Liam Lawson. Liam started in karts in his native New Zealand at Mount Wellington Kart Track in Auckland before winning on debut in Formula First and Formula Ford, where he won 15 of 15 championship races. At 15 years old, he headed to Australia, where he continued the trend by winning on his debut. At 16, he moved to Europe, where he went through ADAC F4, Formula 3, and most recently in Formula 2 with Red Bull backing. His highlight, clearly, though, came when he recently raced in the uh, inaugural Motormouth Charity Karting Cup, which is clearly the best thing he's done in his tender years. But uh, before we introduce him, fun fact, Liam has won on debut in eight of the nine single-seater cars he's raced, including Formula 1st, Formula Ford, F4, F3 Asia, Toyota Race, Racing series in two different car categories, the FT50s and FT60s, uh, F3 Delara and Formula 2, which is quite an interesting statistic. Let's hope he keeps that going. We're here to dive into his life career, thoughts and opinions. Liam Lawson, welcome to the Motorman. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Can you believe, did you know about the Kiwi thing? I didn't. I was really surprised when you said that. I thought a kiwi. I thought the kiwi fruit was uh, was. I mean, it's kiwi fruit. I thought it was yeah. from New Zealand. Afraid not. Yeah, surely. It's all a, it's all a mockery, all a sham, all a farce. It's, it's it not really true. is, yeah. isn't it? Honestly, well, where are you today, Liam? Whereabouts are you joining us from? Uh, I'm in the UK, so I'm in Milton Keynes right now. Um, just for a day, I leave tomorrow morning to go to. Uh, to Sochi, we are racing um, Formula Two. So, uh, and honestly, the last six or seven weeks, um, I've been home about three days. So, um, it's very, very busy at the moment. But then I have a bit of time off uh, for October and November. That'd be nice because it can get super intense, can't it? But I mean, I mean, Tim, you've been to New Zealand before. You spent quite a lot of time there. I, I imagine I've never been, even though I, my knowledge is amazing. So, yeah. I mean, what's it like? It must have been quite a transition to come back to to come over to the UK when you first, you know, made the move. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that my first year actually away. I lived in um, in the Netherlands. So uh, when I did my first year in Europe was um, German Formula Four, the ADAC F4 um, that that Tim mentioned. So and that was living in a staff house uh, with the Van Amersfoort um, racing team that I was racing with. Um, and uh, yeah, and then basically every year since then I've been living in the UK. So this is my first year living alone. I was living with. Um, some family friends over the last couple of years and then this year I uh, decided to, to live in an apartment by myself and learn to actually look after myself. <laughs> Start cooking your own meals. Get off the super noodles. What, what's, yeah, your, yeah. What, what's your go-to meal? It's tough cooking for yourself. Uh, yeah, if I'm honest, I don't actually cook myself that much. Um, there's plenty of Deliveroo um, and, and Uber Eats and things like that. <laughs> um, but... Like I said, I haven't really been home that much. So yeah. um, for sure, when I have the, the, the time off for that two months, I'm going to have to um, definitely learn to, to cook a bit of food for myself. Now, what's the, the scene like in New Zealand? I mean, obviously, you've got the Toyota um, series, which you know very well. And, and a lot of big names have been through that championship um, in, in the sort of traditional winter time here. Is it, is it, um, has, has it changed over the years? Is it, uh, is it competitive out there at the moment? It's really unfortunate right now because of um, COVID. There's no real series. So last year, they did um, they did the series, but only with New Zealand drivers because nobody could come to New Zealand. So um, it was quite small um, for for what it normally is. And then this year, from what I've heard, they're not going to race. They're just going to do the New Zealand Grand Prix, which is very cool. But um, again, it'll probably just be New Zealand. Well, it will be just New Zealand drivers. So. Um, it's a bit of a shame, but before that, before COVID um, sort of hit us, it was uh, really, really popular because it was basically run five weeks in a row over January, which in New Zealand is summertime, but for the rest yeah. of the world, it's obviously, or most of the world is wintertime. So all the guys, all the Europeans that had just done their season or are normally training for uh, in pre-season, getting ready to race whatever they're going to race in Europe, um, you could just go to New Zealand. It was relatively cheap compared to what you'd pay for, for doing a European series. Uh, in, a, in a really quick car that's also quite similar to what we'd race. Yeah. Um, and you get really competitive grids from all over. You get Formula 2 drivers, um, F3 drivers, F4 drivers, GT drivers um, from, from different championships. So it was quite cool. Um, a no, proper competitive series, isn't it? it I, I just it wanted really to, I know, I know we're sort of making our way through. I just wanted to go back ever so slightly and go, you know, what, what was it that got you into motorsport? In the in the first place, was there was it a family connection? Did you just sort of watch it on t- TV and think I want to be a part of that? Um, yeah, it's really interesting that because I never none of my family ever raced before, so it's not like you know a lot of the guys I raced against it was their dad that um, did motorsport, and you know a lot of especially in go karts, uh, a lot of the the drivers that's 
well, go-karting becomes very much a dad sport because they, they, they almost love it more than the kids sometimes. So, um, but for me, it was something that as soon as I was born, um, when, actually when I was born, my dad started getting into like V8 supercars quite a bit. He was watching it. Um, he went to a couple of the races and so I'd always sit and watch the races with him. Um, and he'd watch formula one and things like that. And, uh, but I was from the, from a very young age, before I could even talk, I was, um, like making car noises and was just really, really keen on everything with an engine. Like, uh, we, uh, there's photos of me when I was a kid. Um, we had this like Bobcat when I was, it was like working down the road and I just sit there for hours watching it. Um, I don't know why. I, yeah. So I don't know where the initial passion came from, but, um, and when I just started school at five years old uh, or six years old, my friends at the time, um, who I went through kindergarten with, he started go-karts. So I went to watch, uh, with my dad a couple of times and basically knew that I had to, had to do this. So, uh, my dad got me a go-kart. Uh, and, and, uh, it's probably not thanking you very much for doing for doing so well and probably <laughs> breaking his bank ever since. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But you were, uh, I mean, you're still young now, but it, it, you, you left, um, uh, New Zealand at, uh, on your 14th, well, shortly after your 14th birthday to go and race in Australia. And in Australia, the minimum age, uh, is 15. So you were good to go. And then you won on debut in F4 at such a young age, probably racing against some drivers that were quite a bit older than you as well. Looking back now, how do you view wins like that? Do you think, Christ, you know, even at that point, I was onto something good? <clears throat> um, yeah, I guess uh, it was it was pretty crazy um, the way the way everything's happened, even to this point now. Like I remember um, even going back the year before that, Formula Fords, um, just after I'd done the the year of formula first and the scholarship program i um i was in in formula ford and i remember getting my first like my first sponsor was um like five i was uh, my first sponsor was 500 500 for a month for 12 months basically and i remember just being like completely like uh, over over the moon with that um and I had had so many of these i had like a club 500 where we'd go around giving um getting 500 from people and that's pretty much what made my formula ford season possible um, and then, yeah, getting to go to Australia to do F4, um, it was wet. I think this, that's how I, yeah, it was a wet race, uh, in, in Sandown. And, um, I'd done plenty of driving since I was a kid in the rain. My dad used to send me out. I mean, my, the thing is my dad never knew a clue. He didn't have a clue about like engines or, or driving or anything like that. So, um, but we did the, I mean, we did the most testing out of, out of anybody when I was a kid, we were always, always at the car track. And, um, he would send me out when it was wet on slicks basically. Uh, and I just drive rounds for, 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 for ages would be the only one at the car track. And he would basically stand on a corner and basically I, I had to, I had, he got it in my head that I had to break where he stood. Um, and basically every lap I'd come past, he'd take a step. So I'd just keep breaking it until I would literally fly off the track and then he'd take a step back. And that's where I had to, had to break. And I did this for, for ages. It was like something I did for ages. And then in, um, and Formula Ford as well, it was, uh, plenty of wet races, uh, and they run like semi-slick tires, so really, really slippery. And I just, I mean, I absolutely loved it. So I think that's what's, um, that's what helps when I went to F4. An affinity with the, the wet weather, clearly, uh, thanks to a bit of, uh, dodgy tactics maybe, but hey, <laughs> you, you learn, don't you? Very quickly, if it's stuff like that. Um, you then though, uh, as we touched on, you went to Europe 16 years old, I think you were, and you said went to Holland, uh, doing ADAC F4. So you say you were living with the VAR team in, in, in Holland and the Netherlands. What was that actually like? You know, was that a big, um, a big sort of step for you? Because I suppose being in Australia is still not too far from home, are you? And then suddenly going straight to Europe, it must be a bit of a, a, bit of a culture change or were you quite happy to just get on with it? Yeah, so when I was racing in Australia, I was still in school. So I, despite literally my attendance being 50% that year, um, that was my last year of school. But uh, yeah, I was I was still doing it. So then the year afterwards, we talked about doing online school potentially. Um, I had a few meetings with teachers about how it was going to work. And in the end, we were just like, for, for something, for an opportunity this big, um, there's, you know, I don't want to be one of those guys that's having to um, study and, and, and not be 100% focused on this amazing opportunity that I have. So, um, we called it out, called it off. Uh, so technically I have no education pretty much. Like I have no, no qualifications for anything. Um, cause I left school at 15. Uh, and then, yeah, I went and lived in, in Holland for a year. So at the start of the year I was living with, um, my mum came with me for, I think two months, two months of that year. 
Uh, and then when she went home, um, my older sister came over to live with me as well for, for a little bit. Uh, and then my manager as well, um, Grant McDonald came over and, um, lived with me as well. And then it was planned that at uh, the last couple of months of that year, my mum would come back over again. Um, but we actually decided why well, I decided that I wanted to, um, experience living on my own. Um, so I, we basically decided that I'd do the last couple of months of that year on my own. And, and I sort of, that's where I first experienced li- living on my own. And so I actually was, with with it. It. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was actually, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. Um, I got into a bit of routine with, which is the routine I'm in now really, really rare. Everybody I talk to from home, my friends, I talk to when I wake up till um, 11 or 12 in the morning. And then when I have basically the middle of the day where they're all asleep. Um, and then when I go to bed, they they all wake up and I get to talk to them again. But um, it's it wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. You, you make this sound very easy, uh, it, but it's not. I mean, you've, you've moved from the farthest part of the planet to yeah. Europe, leaving school at 15 years old. <laughs> I mean, you've put all your eggs in one basket. There is no backup plan here, is there? I mean, is there a backup plan? Was there ever anything else? No, there's no backup plan. And it's something that's, uh, that for ages, before I went overseas, it was like, uh, you've got to have a backup plan, Liam. And, and so many people told me you have to have a backup plan. Um, and in the end, it was just like, no, I don't. Don't uh, I never even considered, I've mean, never never considered doing anything anything else. And it's crazy, it's even from... Uh, a very young age. Obviously, when you're a kid, you know you you dream of being in Formula One, and obviously nothing's gonna um, nothing's gonna really take your mind off that. You, you're not. No one's ever gonna convince you that that's not possible. But uh, when you start to get older, you sort of become more realistic about things. Um, but even then, even when I was 13, 14 years old, um, I, I met one of my one of my racing heroes, uh, a New Zealand racing hero. I'm not gonna name him, but. Um, I was, I met him when I was young and he even told me that, uh, I, when he said, what do you want to race? I said, I want to race Formula One. And he said, it's not possible. Don't, don't bother basically. And even now I was just like, <laughs> I don't care. Like it, yeah. nothing ever, nothing ever took, uh, took away. Um, I, ne- I never had any doubts about, uh, yeah, mate, sort of going to Europe and, and racing. So, um, and I have no idea why, I don't know why I didn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's that. Um, athlete mindset. I mean, you, it's all or nothing. It's all, it's, it's all or nothing. Yeah. I mean, you meet some drivers who who do have a backup plan or or have something that they want to fall back on, and I guess they do that because deep down they think there's a chance I'm not going to make it here. Whereas you are so determined, like this is this is it for you. You you're going to get to Formula One, and that's the that's the end of it. You know, and you you'll do whatever it takes to get there. Um, and I suppose you know even. Worst case scenario, it, it goes pear-shaped at some capacity. By the time it goes pear-shaped, you're going to have so much experience in motorsport anyway, you've, you're going to have a career one way or another. You know, you're learning the school of life in motorsport. So I think it's amazing. And Harry's sort of cut from the same cloth. You know, Harry knew, has always known exactly what he wants to do. And at such a young age, he's doing what, what, what you love doing, aren't you? Um, you know, I didn't realize that I was probably 30 what I wanted to do. So I think it's amazing that you have this tunnel vision from such a young age. So, so fa- fair play to you. But who, who's you mentioned Grant there. Uh, he's obviously come over in bits and pieces from from New Zealand, helped you out, managed you. Is he your sort of go to guy for for advice, whether it be on or off track exploits? Uh, yeah, Grant. Grant is uh, literally the only reason that um, I've been able to do anything to do any of this um, from when I was. Uh, when I left go-karts, I did um, the Speed Sport Scholarship, which is basically a scholarship to race Formula First or Formula V, I think um, you guys might call it over here, for, for a season in New Zealand. And one of the judges on the scholarship program, uh, the, the day of doing the, 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 like the finals day, was, um, was Grant. So I was able to win the scholarship, do the season, and then at the end of the season, when I wanted to obviously carry on and, and go into Formula Ford and carry on doing stuff, Grant's actually left the scholarship program and um, started going around and finding sponsorship for me basically to, to race. So he made my, my Formula Ford season possible. Um, and since then, it's just been crazy, the growth uh, of, I mean, we, we now have this huge group of people around us. Uh, we ended up for, for Europe having to set up a, like a company under my name where I have investors um, who, who will invest uh, in, in me basically. Um, and that was what made, racing in Europe possible. And, uh, the, it's crazy. The amounts, what started off with 
tiny, tiny amounts that at the time were huge, like I said, like $500 sponsorships and things like that, turning into, um, yeah, some serious, like fifty dollars to $100,000 um, investments and, and sponsorships and things like that to, to make European racing possible is completely crazy how, how it's happened. And Grant did all of that basically from, from, the, from, from the start. Yeah. We, we see going up through the ranks with a lot of drivers, you know, it is constantly searching for sponsorship. As we all know, money makes the world go around. Money certainly makes motorsport go around. And then it, it can just suddenly dry up and no longer be there. And a lot of drivers then just can't carry on. But for you, you've got, you know, the ultimate gift in a way and support from Red Bull and being able to join their program when you were 17 years old. So how did that come about? That must have been a, a bit of a, a sigh of relief or was the pressure suddenly ranked up? Because we all, we all know what happens at Red Bull. But, you know, fair play to them. They've put a lot of drivers into Formula One. Yeah, it's true. And it's something that um, obviously I was very aware about the different junior programs. Uh, when I raced, it was when I raced in F4 actually in Germany. <clears throat> um, but Red Bull was always for sure like the, the most attractive. I remember when uh, we were testing and a Red Bull driver came to the track a Red Bull Junior, I think it was Jack Doohan actually at the time, um, and he did a couple of races that year. And I remember just being like, "Oh my god, this Red Bull driver, like, it's so cool." Um, and but it's something I never thought would be never possible for me. But uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it um, to to yeah to get picked up by them. It was from the the first season of uh, the Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand that um, that we we got the contract from them, and then. Yeah, it was right at the point as well where uh, I'd just done F4 and to do anything else was just a crazy step in, in budget that we, um, at the time, would never been able to to, to afford. So, um, yeah, Red Bull came right at the right time. It's funny that you say that, um, you know, seeing another Red Bull driver and being like, oh, my God, look at that guy. It definitely does have that that effect. Like, even when you came to our casting event and you, you're walking around with your, your overalls on with Red Bull on the back, you can see people like, oh, look at that guy. That's Liam Lawson, Red he's, Bull driver. He's legit. Yeah, he's yeah, legit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, it definitely carries that, that um, positive stigma. Um, no, that's super cool. Now, before we come on to um, F2, Let's talk a little bit about DTM, a hugely competitive championship. Um, it's one of Harry's favourites. Really close racing, wheel-to-wheel action. You've had wins and podiums. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, loving it, actually. It's something that came out of nowhere for me. Um, obviously, I'm on the the, the single-seater ladder and have been, and that's where, where I'm trying to go. So um, DTM was never something at this point I was con- you know would, would have ever considered doing. But, um, yeah, I, I got the... Um, the call up from Ripple about it and, and basically with the change in, in car this year going to GTs, um, there was opportunity for, for Ripple to, to go into it. Um, and they needed a couple of drivers and I mean, I was extremely grateful to be chosen as one of them. So, um, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to race in that for sure. At the start, it was a, a huge learning curve. I mean, GTs is never something I've, I've done before. So, um, and it's a completely different driving style from, from what I'm used to. So transitioning between the two cars at the start was, was really difficult. I remember I did the first time I transitioned from GTs back to F2 was um, it was a preseason test, but it was after the first round. We'd already had the first round of Bahrain of F2. It was a Barcelona test in, in F2, and um, I remember you know knowing you know I remember I'd, I'd driven the car before, so I knew sort of what to expect, but I'd never done it before going going back. And when I got back in the F2 car, the first run. Um, the way it works with the Pirelli tires, you you know you normally go out, you do a, a, a warm lap, and then you normally have two or three laps of where the tire is good, but it's like push, cool, push, cool, push. You have to you know only only tires only go for one lap before you have to cool down again. So um, after my first lap, I did my first push, and I was like three seconds off on on my first lap, and uh, I remember my engineer coming on the radio and being like, uh, yeah, eighteen sector one. 19 sector two and then like 1.2 seconds sector three or something like this and i was just like oh my god how can i be three seconds off and uh you know like i, I thought i did a good lap and and it took half the day to just get get back um wow. get back to where i was and i was like i'm gonna struggle this year but um it got easier the more the more i did it and recently i'd done a lot of gt i did a lot of dtm stuff and then went to monza um, and basically it's now at the point where, well, at least in Monza, I was able to get, to get straight in it and we were fine. We had a good quality, um, and the pace was good all weekend. So, but it definitely took a while to get used to doing the both. 
considering it's you know that having to really adapt to two different types of race car and particularly having never raced a gt car before the fact you're you're leading the championship with you know a, a, how many rounds are there to go i think there's only just a, two. a couple more isn't there? Yeah, two, two more rounds to go amazing i think i think you've got a 10 point lead is that right um or something around there at the, at the time of recording i'll stress um that did you did you even think possible that you'd be in the championship hunt uh yeah it's something at the start of the year i was like i had no idea it's you know always at the start of the year you go into a championship like you don't really you know you know if you're in a good team and and um the you know you've had probably preseason testing you know sort of where you are but with this i was like i had no idea i didn't know if i was going to suck in a gt car um because i'd never done it before and uh with with the team um i didn't know yeah i, I really had had no idea and even in the preseason tests everybody's sandbagging around because of the bop trying to um trying to get the best you know balance of performance to start the season so I still had no idea where I was, uh, and then in Monza we we were we were really fast. So um, it's been a crazy year. We we had a good first couple of rounds, and then it went radically downhill for a couple. Um, and we were like fifty points behind, forty nine points behind uh, the leads at one point, and then in two rounds we we just had a crazy couple of rounds, and now somehow we're actually leading the thing. So um, yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, it's a cracking championship. Now uh, let's talk F two, just one level below Formula One. You're backed by Red Bull. You're doing well in your rookie season. You won on debut. Things are looking pretty good. Now there have been, as I'm sure you're aware, nine Kiwi drivers in Formula One in the past. Before we move on, can you name them? <laughs> I cannot name. I did not oh, know there no. was nine. I can't name nine. Okay, I'll, I'll name. I'll name as many as I can. Go on. Um, so we have Brendan Hartley, obviously, yeah. our, our most recent. Yeah. Um, Denny Holm. Uh, yeah. Bruce. Yeah. Bruce McLaren. Yeah. Uh, Chris Amon. Uh, Correct. Uh, yep. Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> give me a second. So it gets a bit trickier here. <laughs> yeah. You could go onto our our quiz leaderboard with yeah, this if you, you could get, if you yeah. get all of them. Yeah, yeah, he's not, uh, he's not going to get all of them. I can tell you that right now. Surely, surely, surely there's got to be one or, one or two more that are really obvious that well, I'm missing, right? There's one. There's one. Know. There's one who has who shares a name with a famous rally driver. That's an easy. That gives it away. Surname. How good's your rally knowledge? Mm. <laughs> not very good, clearly. <laughs> You're not going to get him, are you? So, so you've, got, not... you've got Bruce McLaren, Chris Amon, um, Danny Hu, Danny, Danny, Holm. Danny Holm, Brennan Hartley. Hartley. Um, yeah, there's one, how many was that? One, two, three, four. Have you got four. There? Yeah. yeah, you've got a few. Okay, I'll give you a couple. So you've got Tony Shelley. Don't ask me for any detail on him. Yeah. Howden Ganley. Graham McRae. Which is a very cute. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, Graham McRae, the rally name, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Nicholson and Mike Thackwell. Ah, uh, Mike Thackwell, that was one I was, I was, I, I knew because he was our most recent, I think, before Brendan. Um, but wow, that's terrible, then. But that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's really bad. There's some uh, there's some good racing heritage in there, though. But a quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor, Rodin Cars. Rodin are a bespoke formula-style supercar manufacturer based in New Zealand. With their vehicle offering, this is the only place where you can truly live the F1 lifestyle. With the easy-to-run, easy-to-maintain, and even easier-to-drive Rodin FZ, you can live the dream of hunting down those final tenths of lap time whilst being fully supported by the team at Rodin, who will provide you with after-sale care, storage options, exclusive use of their incredible track in New Zealand, and, courtesy of Formula Racing Team High Grand Prix will run, set up and maintain your vehicle on and off the track. The Rodin FZ is a vehicle like no other. Perfect for any true car aficionado in search for that elite performance. To find out more, head to rodin-cars.com. Um, I mean, we, t- we talked about this a little bit last time, last time we saw you, but, you know, it's all looking pretty good, isn't it? Isn't it about time we saw a Kiwi make it all the way back into Formula 1? I hope so. I really hope so. Um, it's it's something that when I was when I was younger, my my original racing hero was was Lewis Hamilton. Um, and then when I got old enough to like understand more about GP two and GP three, it was Mitch Evans and Richie Stanaway in in those championships. And I yeah, remember watching them. Mitch got really really close. Um, to to be fair, uh, had a couple of really good. I mean, one GP three, and then uh, he got really unlucky in GP two. Yeah. Um, but had a had a good. Uh, had a good go at it and yeah I remember just um, really really wanting them to make it so um, I hope yeah I hope I can 
hope I can do it. But still a, a long way to go. As much as F2 is, you know, the, the step below F1, it's still a huge step. And I mean, as you can see this year, there's a lot of us in F2. Um, a lot of drivers who should, you know, could be going there, but there's just no seats right now. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, well, let's let's hope it'll come. Um, but you've driven something which some might say is similar to an F1 car. You're you're working with Rodin Cars um, and have a partnership with them. They're obviously a, a new New Zealand brand, and I've I've seen I haven't seen one of their cars up close yet, but I've seen a lot of content about them. And we've got the FZ, which looks like a ridiculous machine. Just tell us a little bit about your partnership with with Rodin, and, and perhaps a little bit more about their business. Yeah, so um, David Decker, who's, um, who who owns and started uh, Roden Cars, uh, I met probably four, five years ago. Um, it was right before, it was at the end of my Formula 4 season um, in Australia. Yeah, I went, I, I had a shooter actually in America, um, which I kind of forgot about a little bit, but I actually went and did a the, the Road to Indy shootout. Um, and I'd won it as a ticket uh, from winning Formula Ford. Um, in New Zealand, and basically before I went there, um, through some other contacts, we we found out that David had the the track, um, and in you know outside of his, outside of his house, and That's that he had a Formula Three, yeah, as as you do, and he had a Formula Three car um, that he had available. That I, you know he let me basically go and do laps um, to to get sort of race fit for for the shootout and I went down there and I just remember being completely amazed by this and you should see how, how far it's come even now from, from when I went there the first time but um, I remember at the time just being amazed by it um, I, I had basically two days of just doing as many laps as I liked um, around, basically with, with no limits to, to what I did he had two layouts of, of the track he had this top track and his bottom track and uh, it was literally like you want to do the top track now yeah we'll do that and then I'll do some of the bottom track and, and it was so so cool um, and basically from there, every time I, I was in New Zealand, um, he's, he's let me go down there and, and test, um, in his cars and, uh, and it's been really, really good. And then this year, um, we were able to, to form more of a partnership with David, uh, and with Roden cars and now they've, they've come on board for F2 and he's now at right at the point where, um, the, the FZs is sort of ready now pretty much to, to be, to be sold, um. And I've been able to test it, and it's yeah, freaking awesome. Yeah, how does how does the FZ compare to to an F two and an F one car that you know you've done some testing in previously? I mean, because it's it's not a car that's just for racing drivers, is it? But also having tested it, how how can you even, how do you describe it? Yeah, so it's we actually did a comparison earlier in the year, like in January, I think we did uh, between a 2010 GP two car. Um, so with the old V8, the, the Screamer, um, which is probably pretty similar to this year's F2 car, honestly, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be far off, um, because this car is, this year's car is a lot heavier. So, um, and the FZ was considerably faster, um, around a really short circuit. It was a, a 45 second lap. Uh, it was like one, one and a half seconds faster. So on a big track, that's, that's a good couple of seconds. Um, and yeah, it's it's really really cool. Uh, it's uh, it sounds you know like a Formula One car. It's um, obviously a, a V8 as well, uh, but it's basically really um, sort of it. The difference between a, a GP2 or an F2 car and and this um, is you feel everything is much much more. I had to say, but like better designed. You know, everything works really really well. Uh, feels really really nice. The car is really easy to drive actually as well, which I was surprised about. Um, like I I did a test in in Donington this year, and it was I was surprised by how easy it was to drift, like to slide out of out of like lower speed corners. You could really you had complete control over it. It was really really nice. The balance was nice, um, and it's it's really quick as well. So the downforce is uh, is also really really good. Um, so I yeah I was well impressed well impressed with that yeah they're they're incredible looking machines and if you've got some spare change you can go and get one and you can drive it round a racetrack if you feel so inclined so um, I think it's slightly out of our budget Harry but um, for our, our more deeper pocketed <laughs> listeners go out and get yourself a Roden Cars FZ and you you won't be disappointed um, now I uh, I was trawling the internet um, looking for bits and pieces on you uh, to chat about and uh, before we started talking. And there's a really funny video of you and Alex Albon going around the Nurburgring. <laughs> uh, what's it like to go out there 
flat out. It's insane circuit. That must have been a lot of fun. It was my first time um, going around the actual Nordschleife. Like I'd been, I've been to Nurburgring for a couple of years now, but uh, we never did, did the actual, uh, the proper, the big circuits. Um, and I don't know if technically, I think it's fine to say it now, but I didn't know at the time. Um, it's illegal to go around in your rental cars, but that's what we did basically the first time. So after we, we, yeah, <laughs> we, we got, me and Alex had our, had our rentals. Uh, he, and we, it was like, he, Alex had a Citroen C3. Um, it was terribly slow. Yes. And, uh, and I had a, uh, the, 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 basically the, the lowest, the base of the basic Volkswagen Golf. So like a hundred, probably like less than a hundred horsepower, maybe Volkswagen Golf. And, uh, and we took these things on the North life and the first lap, we basically called each other and put it on like through the car and the, and the Bluetooth and, uh, just sat on a voice call for this whole lap. And it was just, honestly, we were just both crying the, the whole lap. It was hilarious to, to, to race around. I mean, we were keeping up. There was like these, I mean, there's so many people there with their, with their, um, like track day cars. And there was, I was keeping up with this BMW M2. And, uh, and, and I was actually through like, I mean, when we get to a straight, they, they, they take off, but through this twisty stuff, we were, we were all over them. And every single person that came past us, every single one of them's like looking at us like this as they, as they come past. We, it was so funny. It was so much fun. You're keeping up with an M2 in your rental. Yeah. yeah no, 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 <laughs> oh my word. Um, that is, oh, hello. sorry. I'm not my microphone. Um, I'll edit that bit out. That is insane. <laughs> well, talking of uh, microphone setups, there we go. Nice segue, actually. Uh, you you are in your your Twitch setup there. You do a lot of streaming. How's that? How regular do you do that? Because, you know, it feels like every driver is the new generation, isn't it, really, of drivers? It's all about, you know, live streaming and, and playing online. That must be a, a good way to unwind as well for you. Yeah, it is cool. It's it's really cool. It's something that's over the last couple of months I've been too busy to do so much too much of, but it's something I plan on doing a lot more of when I have time off. Um, but it's something that I didn't realize until I did it for the first time, how, how much, how cool it is to actually interact with, um, you know, with your fans and viewers and stuff like that. Cause everybody's can, can chat and ask you questions in the chat, uh, and, and to play games as well with your friends. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, um, I do plan on doing a lot more of it. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, I'm assuming you don't drive a bog standard, uh, golf on the road or maybe you do. Uh, do I literally do. I lit my my standard, no. my road car is a Volkswagen Golf. Is it really? Yeah. Well, to be fair, Golf's a classic car. Oh, it's a good, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a good car. I just kind of imagined a Formula Two driver to have like a I don't know a a, a Golf GTI. Most, or... most of them do. Most of them do. Most of them have like uh, I know a lot of guys have uh, BMW M4s and things like this. Um, but um, no, the Golf's good. Handles good as well, actually. Like, <laughs> Oh, wait for the roundabouts in Milton. Yeah, Milton Keynes yeah. roundabouts. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, well, we we know, Liam, what you're uh, obviously very good at in terms of racing round tracks. What are you terrible at? Cooking. Mm. <laughs> really bad at cooking. I, I, so the, the one thing I can make quite well, because I've done a lot of them this year, is uh, an omelette in oh, many different oh, yeah. ways. Mm. Um, but honestly, that's as far as it goes, really. I can't. I can't make anything. What's your um, uh, what's your go-to omelets? Ham and cheese. Uh, yeah, ham and cheese, or um, I normally put spinach in there as well to try yeah, and keep or, it healthy. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like special ham, like uh, like uh, either Parma ham or Ooh. like um, like pancetta, I think it's called as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, in in there, and then cheese um, with spinach. What else can I? What else do I use? Chorizo sometimes as well. Love a little block of chorizo. chorizo in there. Yeah, yeah really. That's, that's good. Um, and thank God and you then, don't call it chorizo, like some of those penises. Chorizo. That I, honestly, yeah. when someone says that to me, I honestly just want to headbutt them. <laughs> who said that? I've never heard that. You've never heard like the people who, who they sort of just chatting away and they'll mention chorizo and they'll but they'll call it chorizo. It's like, who do you think you are? You're not Rick Stein, mate. It's, yeah, but that's because it's like the same with. I, I always got. I always looked at people funny when they called. Um, Ibiza, Ibiza, because apparently oh, and it's pronounced the way you pronounce a Z in um is it Spanish Wait. or is is a Z is like th is th Ibiza. Ibiza. So, so how do you say it? Ibiza, oh, I would say. I say Ibiza. I, I can't even say it now. Ibiza. I say Ibiza. I would say Ibiza. Ibiza, yeah. Ibiza. But it's spelled Ibiza. So why would you say it Ibiza? I well, that, I mean, that's the thing. I mean. 
Tim, this comes back on you because actually, I, I mean, I would say chorizo, but I feel like if you're in the country where chorizo comes from, you would yes. probably say chorizo. No, I, I concur, Harry. But what I don't like is English people English, yeah. who try and sound like they, they're all in the lingo. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't like English people. I'm just going to whip up some noodles <laughs> and this and that and I'm going to make it with a bit of chorizo. Add a bit of chorizo. Oh, shut up. No, yeah. <laughs> Ibiza is a funny one, though. We'll have to do a little poll on that because, yeah. yeah I mean, you're, I... I Get what you're saying. It is spelled obviously Ibiza, but I think didn't say at make a car. Say at yes. Say at Ibiza. Yes. My, yeah. bro- my brother had that when yeah. he was about 18. You know, right. and I <laughs> called it an Ibiza. Yeah. Classic. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, the other one is um, the, the the racetrack. Uh, what I would say, Jerez or Jerez. Um, oh, yeah. They call it Harith. Harith. Yeah. Harith. Why is why is it? How could you get Harith? From Jerez, Jerez, the way it's spelled. I don't get it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Jerez, yeah. Jerez. Yeah. 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 It wasn't until I started hearing other people say it that I realised I, I just did. I was either saying it wrong. There's lots like that, like uh, Paul Ricard. You never say the D, Paul Ricard. Paul Ricard. I never oh, say Paul Ricard. Um, Do you say Paul, Paul Ricard? Uh, I say Paul I Ricard. I say Paul Ricard. Yeah. Oh, Paul, Paul Ricard. Ricard yeah. He's going off the bench. That kid, Paul Ricard. Oh, yeah, Paul Ricard. I yeah, feel with like with this randomness that this is... A good... You anglicise it, don't you? You, you do. If you're you do. from England or whatever the other way around is. Yeah. but um, You do. Yeah. But this feel, with this kind of weird conversation, this feels like a good, good opportunity to ask Liam whether he preferred to be covered in scales or feathers. Yeah, go for it. What would you choose? Whether, wait, what? If I would be preferred to be covered in... Feathers. Like... Like head to toe in feathers, which means you could probably fly. Or scales, which would make you an incredible swimmer, and you could probably go really fast underwater. So, is a, is the question actually would I rather fly or swim really fast, or is it would I? You could take it like that, I suppose. But it depends what you. I mean, who knows what you could do with scales? Feathers for sure. I mean, scales would be weird. Slimy. Yeah, yeah that... <laughs> feathers would be so much better. Feathers are soft. Feathers are what we sleep with. Soft. <laughs> That's true. You'd be, Com- it'd be more comfortable. Yeah. Very much, much more comfortable. Because. And I feel like I don't know if you've got scales, don't you have to be like aren't, they, aren't scales normally mean you're like cold blooded as well? Or is that yeah. a, is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'll leave that maybe. up to somebody else to judge. Oh, um, do you mean like like what my body is made out of? Yeah. Yeah. I think you meant just covered, like just no, no, covered in feathers or no. scales. <laughs> Like, why no. would you chuck some scale? Okay, I still rather, I still rather fear this. Still rather, yeah. Still doesn't yeah, okay. change the yeah, answer. Doesn't change yeah. the answer. <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, okay, um, let's get back to maybe something slightly more normal. I don't Seriously. know. Um, we discussed what you're terrible at cooking. Do you have any hidden talents, though? Um, uh, it's not so much anymore. But I used to play guitar like a lot. So when I, from when I was eight years old till about fifteen, fourteen, fourteen. No, 15, yeah. Um, I studied exams every single year. So I do um, – the, the the exam was called RGT, like London School of Music. Uh, and every year they'd have uh, like a, an instructor, a teacher from London come to New Zealand to basically do these tests um, and you'd sit these exams with them. And uh, I did it every single year up until I was 14. So there's eight grades. Um Grade eight is literally like the the final grade is, um, I guess, as good as it gets. And and uh, and I actually finished grade uh, seven with distinction. Oh, um, and I was studying grade eight when I stopped. So, oh. um, but I used to wow. play guitar a lot. Uh, yeah, you should pick that back up. Uh, Brendan Hartley plays guitar. A lot of people do actually. Yeah. Like a lot of people. Um, a lot of people. Would, I mean, I I enjoyed. I the thing I always enjoyed more was the exams were quite uh, stressful because. Um, you have to like yeah. do loads of other stuff, don't you? Like sight read and, and yeah, yeah. There's theory, of, yeah, yeah. The theory behind it. There's um, lots of, I mean, lots of like playing scales and and the learning these pieces, which were yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Um, you'd have to always have other things you had to do in the exam. You'd have to like stuff like you'd have to tell what sort of timing um, things were, um, and All you'd have to re- stuff. Re- yeah, repeat back. It was, it was, it was just a lot of uh, a lot of. Stress, uh, but I enjoyed more playing playing with my mates um, and and things like that. So when I'm home, I, I still do that. So I can still play like basic stuff. But um, yeah, that's cool. You should pick that back up. Um, I should, yeah. Now we talked about New Zealand at the beginning. Um, what a country! I mean, I've been there several times. I love it. If you could literally lasso New Zealand and drag it across to Europe, I'd live there in a heartbeat. Um, first of all, there is nowhere on the planet in my eyes that comes close to it. But what's your favourite part of New Zealand? 
Uh, Queenstown, probably. Um, I would say it's something that I never actually went to until a couple of years ago. But I think what made it so special for me is where is when I my first season of um, the Toyota Racing Series. Um, the cool thing about it is over those five weeks, everybody that's there, um, you, you travel like all over the country because you start in Highlands. I at least start in Highlands, which is close to Queenstown. Then you go to Invercargill, which is the bottom of the South Island. And then you go to Auckland's Taupo. And then to Palmerston North, which is the bottom of the North Island. So you go all over the country, um, and you pretty much see the like the best bits of it. So when I did the first year, I, I spent like two weeks, uh, nearly a week and a half in Queenstown, um, and yeah, basically just fell in love with that with that part of New Zealand. So yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Going on holiday there is um, yeah. is yeah my favorite thing to favorite thing to do. Like, uh, have you did you do? Um, is it yeah Milford Sound yeah, uh, in... yeah. did all of that yeah I did yeah. Uh, Queenstown as well I love Queenstown did the Nevis bungee there which I wish I'd never done yeah is it on the bridge oh yeah it's the one this sort of cable car in between two mountains basically so, oh my god you did that yeah and it's it's something like a seven second free fall and I thought this is it I'm dead like something's gone <laughs> oh wrong my god I was, and and the ground comes towards you so fast it's quite a rocky riverbed. I just remember seeing these rocks getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I was thinking, this has gone horribly wrong. This is going to be all over the news. Really? I'm dead. And you hear horror stories. I did it years ago. And I did, you hear horror stories about people's eyes freaking coming out of their heads. And you know, <laughs> I was terrified, but it was, it was fine. I bounced back up, obviously, and it was all but right. You but you had your eyes open. For that. I, I don't yeah. think I could open my eyes for that kind of thing. They'd but be shut the whole way. It's a yeah. horrible experience. I've done the swing. I've done all of them, and I hate wow. them. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't do it again. Why do you keep doing them? <laughs> I got for punishment. Um, easily yeah. paid. I, I just followed the crowd. So other people did it. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Stupid, so, yeah. yeah it, it wasn't fun. But yeah, it's a, a beautiful country. I mean, I've got yeah, brothers, no. brothers and sisters out there and it's just, it is. Have you been, Harry? I've never been. Uh, it's on my, my to do list. Like yeah. New Zealand and Australia. I'd love to go to yeah. that part of the world. Get but, out um, there and commentate on the Toyota series. It, it's just. They, they'll have me. I'll do it. <laughs> oh, they will. I'm sure they will. Honestly, it's, it's, uh, it's it, when I get asked this question, like, what's your favorite place to go? What's your favorite part of the world so far that you've traveled? And every single time, it's still New Zealand. I, yeah. still, I still miss home um, the, the most, that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's stunning. Um, well, we, have, well, have you ever done a bungee jump, yeah. Liam? Then have you ever done that? Or I've never done a bungee jump. All my sisters have as well. And I haven't done it. Um, You're the only I've, one. I'm the, I think I'm the only one in my family that hadn't done it. So, never jumped out of a plane either. My girlfriend's done that, and I haven't. Um, so I need to. Well, I, yeah. Get a bloody plane and get yeah. on with it. Red Bull have got <laughs> yeah. many. Red Bull have got their own plane. Uh, I have done. I mean, I, I've done. I don't know if you saw the recent video. We, we do a lot of cool stuff with DTM with with Red Bull, and I I did some stunt plane stuff doing flips and oh, over the so, ring, yeah. and uh, I actually flew the plane a little bit as well. So oh, cool. that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, I'm surprised Red Bull let you do that. I just think would Red Bull let you do a bungee jump? I suppose they would. They're you know extreme sports and all that. Yeah, there is stuff that I'm technically not meant to do, but um, I do it anyway. Just, just well, I, I don't know about bungee. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back through my contract, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a skim read of it tonight. Yeah. Um, right. Well, uh, Liam, we are rapidly making our way towards uh, the end of uh, the podcast. But what we like to do uh, with all of our guests, we like to ask them a final three questions. And because you are uh, the first show of our brand new season, yeah. uh, we're in partnership. Uh, with Roading Cars. Uh, so our final three uh, is brought to you by Roading Cars. Uh, Tim, would you like to ask the first one? Yes, indeed. Um, what's got you excited at this very moment? Well, what's well, got me excited at this very moment? Yeah, right now. What are you excited about? Is it omelette for dinner tonight? Or... Uh... Ah, what am I excited about right now? Um... Thrown I'm, ex- I'm, ex- I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited for race to race this weekend. I'm not excited to... For the travel part of it, because I, I don't enjoy that the travel. That sounds stressful I'm, as well, yeah. going to Russia in, in this, this kind of weekend, climate. especially. Yeah, the, the the Russia trip's always quite a quite a mission. But um, that's the question was what I'm excited about. And I'm excited to race. I'm excited to be back in the car. Um, yeah, I would say that's yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, well, then, secondly, uh, what are you scared of? Um, I'm, I'm scared of a lot of things. Um, Spiders, like like some spiders, I I absolutely hate. They they freak me out. Um, <laughs> good man, yeah. good man. I would say, yeah, probably probably spiders, creepy crawlies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I Which is interesting because you come from, yeah, that side of the world where oh. they don't do spiders by halves. No, but the, New Zealand is not, it's, it's yeah. not that bad. Like, it's, what? it's not. I, when I went there uh, last, was it there? I saw, no, I've never seen anything too terrifying in New Zealand. We don't, we don't have anything. It's no. Australia that's got everything that wants to kill you. Yeah. Honestly, like snakes, spiders, um, bears. Wait, no, don't have bears. I don't have to do, but um, <laughs> yeah, like stuff like. But but New Zealand has absolutely nothing. We have the white tail spider, which is it just it doesn't lame. really do much. I mean, it, it it gives you a serious bite, but um, that's literally it. And kill sharks. No, it doesn't kill you. Yeah, sharks. Okay, you have oh, sharks. interesting. It's also a, a bit of a misconception that the weather is amazing in New Zealand. It's not that great either. Like I've I've spent quite a lot of time in New Zealand, and it's yes, it gets really really hot. But it's it's quite because it's so it's a mountainous small island like the UK. It attracts it attracts cloud. Yeah, land of sure. the long white cloud. You know, yeah. it's not called that for nothing. Yeah. Um, final question for you: favorite restaurant racing destination on your F two calendar? Oh, my F two calendar, Monaco. Yeah, Monaco. 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 That yeah. was amazing to to drive that place. Um, and we had was that your first, it must have been your first time Monaco. Yeah, or, yeah, it was. Yeah, my first time there. Yeah. It was amazing. Uh, we had a wet race that uh, I've been disqualified from now, but um, at the time we, we, wasn't we won. Weekend, and it was, was it, yeah. No, it wasn't. But it was that race, even with, with what happened, even still, it was a, an amazing race around that track. It was so, so cool. Yeah, no, it's, oh. uh, you can really feel the history there. I th- it, brilliant. Um, it's, God, it's flown by. That's 48 minutes, in, literally in the blink of an eye. Um, Liam, fantastic talking to you. What a top bloke you are. Very Thank funny. Um, we wish you all the best um, for the rest of the season. By the time this goes out, you'll have done uh, Russia. Um, so let's see how things go. But all the best. Red Bull, fantastic. Rodin, all brilliant stuff. We'll hopefully see you at a paddock soon. We'll hopefully see you at the next Motormouth karting event, which is going to happen this year. Um, so we'll be tapping you up in, uh, Absolutely. in November for a winter race, um, sliding all over the place with a bunch of amateurs. We'll keep you on your toes. Um, but seriously thank you so much for spending the time with us and good luck for the rest of the year and we'll see you trackside soon thanks very much yeah thanks for having me before you go one final reminder to check out Rodin Cars forget a one-off experience with Rodin and the Rodin FZ you can become and live the life of an elite performance driver with your very own Rodin FZ you'll be able to drive a truly remarkable supercar hunt down lap time and search for ultimate performance a solo cockpit but never alone with Rodin's incredible after sale partnership you'll be looked after on and off track with an official formula racing team running and maintaining your vehicle and as an exclusive owner of a Rodin car, you'll get exclusive access to their circuit in New Zealand. So what are you waiting for? To find out how you can own the F1 lifestyle, find the perfect racing line, enjoy the thrill of a roaring engine and experience the purity of driving, visit rodin-cars.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast.